ओनो मित्र संवरुण सन्नो बृहस्पति सन्नो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यामि सत्यं वदिष्यामि तन्मामवतु वक्तारमवतु अवतुमाम अवतु वक्तारम ओम शांति 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 ओम सहनावतु सहनोभुनक्तु सहवीकरवस्तुम विद्विषा वह ओंदुसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधया स्पृणत अमृत सेवधारण भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तम ब्रह्मण कौशोसी मेधया पिता श्रुत मे गोपाय ओ अहम वृक्षरिवा कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेवा ऊर्धपवित्रवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविण गुंस वर्चस सुमेधा अमृत क्षिदेत्रिशंकोर्वेदाचन ओ शूर्णमद पूर्णमिद पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्ण से पूर्णमादय पूर्णमेव वशिष्य ओ शांति 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुराण आलय करुणाल नमा भगवत्द शंकराचार्य वंबादरायण सूत्रभाष्यत वंदे भगवतरात्मे गुरुरात्मेदे मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योमेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचर अवांग मनस गोचर आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रिए सिद्ध आश्रिए सिद्ध अर्थतोप्यनंद अर्थतोप्यनंद अतीतद्वैतभानत अतीतद्वैतभानत गुरूनाराध्य वेदात गुरूनाराध्य वेदात 
सारं वक्ष्ये यथामदे सारं वक्ष्ये यथामदे एतानेव सूक्ष्मभूतानि तन्मात्राणि अपञ्चीकृतानि च उच्यन्ते एतेभ्य सूक्ष्मशरीराणि स्थूलभूतानि च उत्पद्यन्ते विवेचोल इन द प्रोसेस ऑफ क्रिएशन how first the five elements in the subtle state are evolved they are known as sukshma bhutani they are known as subtle elements in as much as they are not perceptible to the eyes to the sense organs tanmatrani they are called rudimentary elements in as much as they are still in the pure state each one retaining its own qualities unmixed with the others apanchikratani not yet combined into the five fold ways to become gross this what is created first are the five elements in the subtle state etebhya sukshma shariraani sthula bhutani cha utpadyante from these five elements in the subtle state sukshma shariraani what are known as the subtle bodies are created and sthula bhutani the five gross elements are created so what we perceive are elements but gross elements so five elements in their gross state is what we perceive and they have evolved from the five elements which were in the subtle state so what is in the subtle state in the beginning evolves into the gross state thus the five subtle elements are the cause for the subtle bodies as well as the five gross elements <coughs> then the author proceeds to describe sukshma sharirani saptadasha avayavani linga sharirani in the passage 61 page 45 said sukshma sharirani what are these subtle bodies saptadasha avayavani having 17 avayava 17 component parts so what we call sukshma sharira or a subtle body is an aggregate of 17 different elements as we have been saying in our personality we have a, we have a gross personality and we have a subtle personality and we have a causal personality and we have a spiritual personality you can look upon the i as consisting of these four personalities really a gross personality primarily consisting of this gross body a subtle personality the personality consisting of a subtle body the mind the sense organs etc which we will describe it is called subtle body because we cannot perceive it <clears throat> then we have a causal body causal body of the nature of ignorance ignorance and all these the samskara the impressions of the past actions etc all of that becomes what we call the causal body which has been described and ultimately we have the self of course that is the true nature of our own self so one by one this is being described the self was described as chaitanyam brahma the causal body was described as ignorance agnyanam now the subtle bodies are being described how the from the cause the subtle bodies are created from the causal state are created five elements in the subtle state and from this five elements the subtle bodies are created sukshma sharirani saptadasha avayavani linga sharirani the subtle body also is called linga sharirani as you said the word linga means evidence we perceive the smoke and we infer the presence of fire the smoke is called linga it is an evidence which enables us to infer the presence of fire <clears throat> fire is not perceived directly what is perceived directly is smoke but then we gain the knowledge of existence of fire there and similarly also the subtle body is an evidence which enables us to know the existence of something lingate gnyapyate pratyagatma sadbhavah ebihiti lingani that by which pratyagatma sadbhavah that by which the existence of the self is is revealed so these reveal the existence of the self how do they reveal there is what we call a nyaya nyaya means a rule that wherever there is anything that is inert whenever an inert thing is in motion or inert thing is shown to be functioning as a conscious entity we should know that a conscious entity must be there for example when we see a motor car running on the road then we know that a conscious entity such as a driver must be there because without the uh, without the driver who must preside over so without the driver the conscious being who is presiding over it it is not possible for 
and inert things such as motor car to be running. That's called inert, which is not conscious of itself, nor conscious of others. It is inert, which does not, which requires something else to enliven that. And so when, just as when the tungsten bulb is glowing with light, we know that, we know the presence of electricity. So, the electricity cannot be perceived directly. But how do we know the presence of electricity? From the tungsten bulb, the tungsten filament that is glowing. We know that the tungsten filament itself does not have the ability to glow with light. And when it does, then we know that it is due to the blessing of the electricity. And so also our mind, our sense organs, all of them are comparable to the tungsten filament, themselves inert. Although subtle, but still inert. So, in, according to the Vedanta now, even mind also is made up of subtle matter. The sense organs are also made of subtle matter. It's not self. So mind is not the self. Mind is also matter. And it will further describe how it is an instrument. So self is one who is different from the subtle body. And subtle body is more like a tool or an instrument or an implement. Like a carpenter may have his tools who uses the tools during the day and keeps them aside at the night. And so also we use these tools. The mind, the sense organs, all of these are like the tools, so the implements that I have, and I use them during the day in the waking state, at night, I keep them aside and go to sleep. That means I am not them, otherwise I cannot remain ever without them. So just as the tools or the implements are not an integral part of a carpenter, and so also the mind and sense organs are not an integral part of I, because I exist in the deep sleep state even without them. That shows that the mind is an instrument. The sense organs are instruments. And they are also made of subtle matter. That's why sukshma sharira, sukshma bhutani, from the five subtle elements, this subtle body consisting of mind, etc. is made. And so, just as the tungsten filament becomes an evidence for the presence of electricity, so also we find the mind and sense organs are functioning as though they are conscious entities, glowing with consciousness, reflecting consciousness, and mind is able to illumine its objects, sense organs also illumine their objects, that shows that there must be a conscious being, a conscious principle, because of which they are what they are. And thus the very mind and the sense organs, they reveal the existence of the self, of the nature of consciousness. <coughs> and it is called sharira. This, so this gross body, we can understand is sharira or body, but even the mind and the sense organs, the assembly is also called body. Linga sharira or sukshma sharira. Sharira pradishthitatvat. Sharira sadhanatvat. Because only when the mind and the sense organs are, that the body can survive. This body cannot survive unless we have the organs of perception and organs of action. There cannot be a person born without any organ of perception. Cannot see, cannot hear, cannot touch, cannot taste, cannot smell, there cannot be a person like that. A person may be defective in one or two of the sense organs, but not in all of them. That meaning that it is the sense organs of perception which are responsible for the existence of the body. Sharira sadhanatvadva or when we perform the various actions, good and bad actions, as a result of those actions, actions are performed by the subtle body. Actions are performed on the level of the senses and as a result of those actions, we acquire this body. So this body is acquired by the subtle body, therefore also it is called body. So subtle body is not a body in the sense that this gross body is a body. It is still called body in as much as it is a upadi. It is a limiting adjunct, number one. It is called shariram, shiriyamanatva, shariram. That which is subject to disintegration is called shariram. So what we call the mind, sense organs, all of them also are subject to ultimately destruction or disintegration when the wise man, when the man, person gains the knowledge, then when the ignorance is dispelled, the sense of ego also is dispelled or falsified, then there is no need for continuation of that individual embodiment. Then it is said that even the subtle body, the mind, sense organs, all of them, there is no more that nucleus called the subtle body, it then it gets resolved into its component parts. So, the subtle body also is subject to 
disintegration. Therefore, also it's called shariram. <coughs> so this is a very important thing that not only do we have a gross body, but we also have a subtle body. And what keeps this gross body alive is in fact the subtle body. As long as the subtle body is there within this gross body, so this body is alive and functioning. And when the subtle body departs, well, the gross body is no more functioning. This is how the Vedic scriptures explain the functioning of this body. So they have their own theory of how the body is functioning. So I, when we make an inquiry into the nature of truth, it is necessary to understand everything. So necessary to understand our own personality, which consists of the body, gross body, subtle body, causal body. And here is an inquiry into the nature of our personality. How the gross body is kept alive by the presence of the subtle body. What we call death is nothing but the departure of the subtle body from the gross body. And then the gross body lies dead because there is nothing to eliminate. The subtle body also being subtle is pure or transparent as we shall say like a mirror. Like a mirror is bright and reflects and so also the subtle body consisting of mind etc also is, is made up of what we call the pure or transparent stuff and therefore reflects the consciousness. And therefore we have the self or the consciousness reflected in this mind. And thus we have what we call the reflected consciousness which is what we call the ego or jiva. <coughs> and so subtle body has this, the, the very nature of reflecting the consciousness. Therefore when the subtle body is not there, there is nothing to reflect that consciousness and therefore the body becomes unconscious. <clears throat> okay, so there is a subtle body. There is, it's important thing to know is this. We have sense organs. See, they even prove the existence of sense organs by inference. That we have a faculty of seeing. We have a faculty of hearing. We have a faculty of smell, taste, touch. Why? Because hearing, seeing, etc. takes place. The seeing takes place, that shows that the faculty of seeing must be there. Hearing takes place, that shows the faculty of hearing must be there. And not only this, we have these five organs of perception, but we have a principle over and above the five organs of perception called the mind. Because we know that the organs of perception are not able to perform their functions when they do not have the mind behind them. When my mind is elsewhere, even though the sound is there, I don't hear. When I am preoccupied, even though someone is there in front of me, something is there, I don't see. So in spite of seeing we don't see and hearing we don't hear, that is our experience often when our mind is away or mind is preoccupied with something else. That shows that not only do we have the organs of perception, but we also have another faculty called the mind, the support of which or association of which is required for the organs of perceptions to be effective or functioning. Thus the mind also is there. <clears throat> All of this is to be said because we don't see the mind separately. We don't see the sense organs of these faculties separately. And therefore some people may not accept. They will think that this body this is one composite entity, that itself is self. So there were, and those discussions also will come. There in the Vedic times also people who believe that this body is a self. The mind and consciousness, all is all the attributes of the body itself, that they are not separate. But here we are saying that they are separate. <coughs> body is one personality, Subtle body is another personality and self is yet an independent principle. Okay, now we'll continue with passage 62. Saptadasha avayavani, 17 components element, component elements is what makes up what we call the subtle body. What are those 17 component elements? That is being said subsequently. Avayavastu Jnanendriya Panchakam Buddhimanasi Karmendriya Panchakam Vayu Panchakam Cheti Avayavaha, the seventeen component elements of which the subtle body is made are as follows Jnanendriya Panchakam the group of five organs of perception. Jnanendriya. Indriya means an organ. Jnanendriya. Jnana means knowledge. So Jnanendriya, 
an organ meant for knowledge. So Jnanendriya means the organ of perception. Jnanendriya panchakam means the organs of perception are said to be five. So the five organs of perception, buddhimanasi, what we call the mind is looked upon as consisting of two aspects, buddhi and manaha. Buddhi means the intellect and mind and manaha means the mind. Mind means the, we have a thinking faculty and a feeling faculty. So our feeling faculty is called manaha and the thinking faculty is called buddhi. So that makes up what is known as mind in English. So what we call mind in English consists of manaha and buddhi. <clears throat> so do, two of those, karmendriya panchakam, a group of five organs of action. So organs of action are also said to be five, which we'll describe later on. Vayu panchakam cha, and also a group of the five vayus or the five airs, meaning five vital forces. So it is said that our body functions because of the five vital forces which are in there which are supposed to be the modification of the air, modification of one vital energy. So one vital energy manifests itself in five-fold ways in our body. And thus we have a group of what we call the five vital forces within our body, which are responsible for the physiological functioning of the body. So five organs of perception, the five organs of action, the five vital forces, and the buddhi, the mind, and the intellect, this seventeen make up what we call the subtle body. None of these you can see. Therefore, all of them are included in the subtle body. <coughs> okay, then, what are these organs of perception? Next passage says, Jnanendriyani Shrotra Tvakchakshuhu Jihva Granakhyani Jnanendriyani, what is known as the organs of perception are Srotra, the ears, Tvak, the skin, Chakshuhu, the eyes, Jihva, the tongue, Granam, the nose. So these are the five, everyone knows all this. So these are the five organs of perception. <coughs> And therefore we say that the world also consists of the fivefold objects. So we say that the world consists of the fivefold objects corresponding to the five organs of perception. So we have the faculty of hearing called Shrotram. And so there is a whole group of objects called the sound, which is perceived by the faculty of hearing. We have a faculty of touch, that is called Tvak or the skin here. And so there is a whole class of objects which is known as parsha or the touch. Then we have the faculty of seeing. Therefore, there is a whole class of objects known as varna or rupa. Rupa means the color or the form. Then we have the faculty of tasting. So there is a whole class of objects known as rasa, the taste. Then we have the faculty of smelling, the nose. Therefore, we say that there is a whole class of objects known as gandha, the smell. Rupa, sashabda, sparsha, Rupa, Rasa, Gandha. These are the fivefold objects and Shrotra, Tvak, Chakshu, Jihva and Granam, these are the corresponding five organs of perception. So that is our world. Our world is what we can perceive. There are creatures in the world which have only one organ of perception. There are others which have only two organs of perception. There are others who have three, others have four. And human being who is the most evolved has five organs of perception. <coughs> so whatever we can perceive is our world. If there is anything beyond this five, the sound, the touch, and the four color, and the smell, and the taste, if there is something beyond this five, we don't even know, because we don't perceive that. So all these organs of perception are limited, we should know that. We can see the light all right, but within a certain frequency and the wavelength. We can hear the sound all right, within certain frequency and wavelength. There is a whole range of sound that we do not know about, whole range of lights or colors that we do not know about, whole range of touch. So they say that the dog hears certain sound that we don't even hear. In India, recently there was a big earthquake, and they were investigating what happens 
are there some kind of signs or evidence that the earthquake is coming? And they found that the dogs start barking. So these dogs and snakes and all these have some kind of a sense by which they are able to sense some kind of changes that are happening, I guess, in the, under the crust of the earth. So they hear some sounds, they feel certain vibrations which we don't feel. The idea is that there is a whole creation of which we can perceive only a very small fraction. So we need not think that whatever we perceive alone exists. Generally, that's what a scientist believes, or anybody would believe. That I would accept only that which I can perceive, of that for which there is an evidence. But our perception is very limited, and therefore we can perceive only a very small fraction of the creation. Anyway, so that is our world that we can perceive. For a blind man, there is no, there are no colors. For a person who is deaf, there are no sounds at all. And so, similarly also, our world consists of these five-fold objects, which we perceive by, through the five organs of perception. <coughs> then we are told, what are these made up of? The passage 64 says, Etani Akashadinam Satvikam Shebhya Vyastebhya Prathak Prathaka Kramena Utpadyante Etani, these, meaning these five organs of perception, Kramena Utpadyante, these are Utpadyante, these are born Kramena in sequence. Akashadinam Satvikam Shebhyam. It was said earlier that the cause, namely ignorance or maya, from which the whole creation has come, is made up of the three gunas, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. And we discussed yesterday that this creation is from the Agnanam or ignorance in which Tamas or inertness is predominant with particles of Sattva and Rajas. So this five elements and therefore the whole universe is created from that aspect of ignorance or maya which is predominant in tamas with little particles of sattva and rajas. Therefore the effect namely the five elements they also exhibit a predominance of tamas with a little bit of sattva and rajas. Okay. Of this the space is the first element exhibits the most sattva. The air is the second element, little less sattva and little more tamas and rajas. So air is moving, showing rajas and some tamas. Then fire shows less sattva, more rajas and so fire is, the movement can be even perceived. More rajas and tamas. The water, sattva is little less, rajas is more and tamas is more. And earth, all tamas. Little sattva, very little rajas all tamas. Thus we can see how there is an evolution from sattva to the rajas to the tamas. From the pure to the active to the dull. This is how evolution is like the entropy. There is always a disorder they say, you know. So the disorder always increases. Increase in entropy means increase in disorder. Or creation or evolution is, is going from subtle to the gross, from sattva to the tamas. But these five elements that are created have in them the predominance of tamas and a little bit of sattva and rajas. So, how are these organs of perception created? All this is a model, understand. In order to understand ourselves and understand our life. So, etani, these five organs of perception, akasadinam, satvikam shebhya, vyastebhya, prathak prathak kramena utpadyande, each of them is separately, each of them is separately made of Sattvikamsa, the sattva aspect of the five elements, Akasha, Dinam. So these five organs of perception are made up of the sattva aspect of the five elements. <coughs> it doesn't tell you how. So Akasha, the first element, the subtle aspect of Akasha creates what we call the organ of the faculty of hearing, the Shrotram. Second element is Vayu. The air, the subtle aspect, the sattva aspect of the air 
creates what we call this faculty of touch. Then third element is fire. The sattva aspect of fire creates what we call the, results into the faculty of seeing. Then with the fourth element, that is the water, the sattva aspect of the water goes into making of the faculty of taste. And the fifth element, the earth, the sattva aspect of the earth goes into making of the faculty of smell. All of this has been seen during Tattvavoda. <coughs> the five elements, sattva aspect of each one of the elements goes into making of the corresponding organ of perception. It's a nice arrangement, you see. All five, five, five. That's why the creation is called prapancha, made up of all five. Pancha means five. So we have the five subtle organs, five subtle elements. From them evolved the five organs of perception. And how nicely there is correspondence? Because the element space has a quality of sound, so it is said. And the ears, the faculty of hearing, which has evolved from the subtle aspect of the element space, perceive the sound. So the ears are made up of the subtle sattva aspect of akasha, the space, and therefore they perceive the sound. We'll be told that the outside sound which is there is the property of element space. So sound is object, property of element space, and ear is the product of the sattva aspect of space, and so it perceives the sound. The next is the element air, the sattva aspect of the element air goes into making up the faculty of touch. So we experience touch, which is a property of air. So it is said, because air can be touched, air cannot be, air cannot be uh, heard, basically. heard of course, but the first element that is available for touching is air. And then we have the element fire, the quality of fire is supposed to be color, and from the fire, the sattva aspect are made the eyes, so eyes perceive the color. Then we have the element water, the quality of water is said to be taste, and from the sattva aspect of water, this tongue is made, the tongue perceives the taste. Then we have the element earth, the quality of earth is said to be smell, and from the earth, the faculty of uh, smelling is there, so the nose perceives the smell. Therefore the organ of perception which has evolved from the corresponding element, perceives the quality of that element. It's nice. That's how uh, the arrangement is. <coughs> okay, so five organs of perception and their evolution from sattva is explained. So how every organ of perception is born separately from the sattva aspect of the corresponding subtle element. <coughs> Then the passage 65 says, Buddhir nama nischayatmika antah karana vrittihi Buddhir nama, what is known as buddhi? Buddhi means intellect, we generally we call it intellect. So what is known as buddhi is antah karana vrittihi. We should know that we have actually only one mind or one inner organ. So organs of perception are also classified as outer organs and inner organs. So these five organs of perception are known as outer organs. Inasmuch as they are directed outward and there they perceive the outside objects. And we have the mind which is known as antakkaranam or the inner organ. So outer organ and inner organ. So mind here, what is known as mind in English? is called here antakkaranam, the inner organ. This inner organ alone is looked upon as consisting of two aspects, the buddhi and manaha, intellect and the mind. <coughs> and sometimes the same mind is looked upon as consisting of even four faculties. So mind performs basically two functions, function of feeling and function of thinking. Sometimes the functions of mind are looked upon as four. The feeling, the knowing, the reflecting and remembering, and asserting. So mind asserts itself, I, that is called the ego, ahankara. Then the mind remembers experiences of the past, that is known as chittam. The mind knows, that is called the buddhi, and the mind feels, 
that is called the manaham. So one mind alone has these four names. Not that we have four inner faculties inside. We have only one mind inside performing four different functions. And therefore it gains four different designations depending upon the state in which it is. Like one H2O. It's called ice when it is frozen. It is called water when it is in liquid state. It's called vapor or steam when it is in the vapor state. So how one H2O, because of the different states, comes to be called by different names? Or how one person can be called a priest when he's performing one function, maybe called a cook when performing another function, maybe called a driver when performing a third function? So how one alone gains a different designation depending on the functions? Or the same person can be called father, can be called husband, can be called son, can be called a manager, can be called an athlete, depending upon what function that person performs. So also, one mind gains these four functional names. Not that there are four minds, but then one mind, depending upon the function that it performs, gains four functional names. Here, two broad functional names. So mind then assumes a certain state, then performs a certain function. For the mind to perform a given function, necessary to assume a certain state. So he says, Buddhir nama nischayadmika antahkarna vrittihi. Vrittihi, modification. Antahkarna vrittihi, modification of the inner organ or the modification of the mind or a state of mind. You know what is a state? Ice is a state. Water is a state. Steam is a state of the same H2O and so also that state of the mind. Nischayadmika when there is a nischaya, nischaya means determination or ascertainment. So when you come to a certain decision or ascertainment or determination, that state of mind that obtains at that time is called buddhi or intellect. <coughs> so this buddhi is a technical word. Although we call it intellect alright, but then when the mind is in a mode when it determines, decides or ascertains a given thing, then it is called buddhi. And what's the ultimate buddhi? Aham brahmai vahamidi nishyadmika antahkana vrittihi Ultimately when that mind sees this fact, brahmai vahamasmi, I am brahman, which is the truth. So when the mind sees the truth or ascertains the truth of a thing, it is called buddhi. So ultimate truth that I am brahman, when the mind comes to know that truth, that mind is called buddhi. Or anyway, when there is an object lying in front of me, this is a rope. Not a snake, this is a rope. So this is such and such, when I come to this ascertain conclusion or understanding that frame of mind or disposition of mind or state of mind is called buddhi, which is translated as intellect. <laughs> then what is manaha? What is manas? The next passage says, Manonama Sankalpa Vikalpatmika Antahkarana Vrittihi Manonama, what is known as Manas, which is often is translated as mind, but actually we should understand Manas is, is again a technical word. What is known as Manas? Sankalva Vikalpatmika Antahkarana Vrittihi. Again also a disposition of mind or a state of mind. When the mind is going through sankalpa, vikalpa. Kalpa means uh, an alternative. Sankalpa, vikalpa. One alternative, opposite alternative. So that is called sankalpa, vikalpa. Or kalpa also means kalpana, projection. So when the mind comes to one understanding and immediately vacillates into the opposite, sankalpa and vikalpa. For example, is this rope? No, this is snake. No, this is rope. No, this is snake. I want to go to school. No, I don't want to go. Yes, I want to go. No, I don't want to go. So when the mind is in this state, before we come to any decision, mind often passes through this kind of a state of vacillation. It sees the pros and cons. And therefore, looking at a given situation from one standpoint, it decides, yes, I want to do it. 
again something else comes to mind no i don't want to do it so when this kind of a state of mind did i close the door yes i did no i did not yes i did no i did not really my key in the car no i did not yes i did then ultimately you see here in the pocket yes it is there i have the keys with me or i they are not there i left them in the car now what should i eat everywhere this thing comes you know when you go to the uh, you know for serving the food there then there are six items there well this bread yes no that bread yes no the mind passes through that momentarily and then decides no, i want this i want this i don't want this so the mind passes through this state of what we call sankalpa vikalpa where the opposite points of view present themselves before mind that's called sankalpa so sankalpa is proper kalpa or proper decision vikalpa the opposite samyak kalpa and viruddha kalpa a decision opposite decision when the mind vacillates in this manner that state of mind is called manaha often manaha is also called the feeling faculty that which we feel the impulsive faculty that with which we react so when we are reacting like with likes dislikes anger all of these understand that we that mind at that time is in this frame is in frame called manaha is in a emotional frame by emotion of course we do not want to say emotion doesn't have a negative connotation emotion can be a beautiful thing also like kindness or compassion all of these are also emotions so all of these are also felt by us that faculty is called manaha so that by which we experience the the compassion kindness love whatever is called the emotional faculty or that from which even these impulses such as reactions such as anger lust greed these are there so we have positive as well as negative emotions all of these are felt by ourselves that faculty is called manaha so we are capable of think making decisions the deciding faculty the judging faculty the concluding faculty is buddhi and the feeling faculty the impulsive faculty the emotional faculty is called manaha both these faculties we have and primarily therefore every person may be a combination of both an emotional personality as well as what we call a an intellectual personality both are there and both have to grow and become mature both have to grow and become mature uh, sometimes the person may be highly intellectual but not very sensitive sometimes the person may be highly sensitive but not very perceptive so the sensitivity also is required as well as the understanding also is required so manaha and buddhi so when we talk of emotional maturity emotional maturity is maturity of all our emotions such as kindness etc and love very often these emotions are misunderstood very often attachment is misunderstood as love very often passion or desire is understood as you know love and so to understand these emotions that we have and to uh, become mature with reference to emotions will be called emotional maturity and that also requires buddhi in fact this buddhi and manaha the intellect and the mind are not really independent faculties because most of our known what are known as emotions meaning the reactions are born because of our conclusions when i see a given thing i just respond in a manner which is called a reaction with anger or with attachment that's because there is a conclusion in my mind that this person is such and such this thing is such and such coffee some kind of response from me tea and the kind of response so you to see the people say would you take coffee no tea yes or somebody else may say about tea and so uh, how about having a, how about having a cake wonderful somebody say so no because there is a conclusion that cake is good for me it is not good for me tea is this tea is that that's the reason why a given thing that is loved by someone is hated by someone else because maybe one looks upon that thing from one standpoint and thinks that it is lovable another person looks at the very same thing from another standpoint and thinks that it is worth hating only and therefore a given thing invokes or evokes different responses or reactions from different people 
because of what we call the manaha. And so we will understand these faculties properly. So this is a part of the investigation of our own personality. <coughs> Here it says ultimately, Aham chidrupo deho vadi samshayatmaka antahkanavrutiheva manaha. Ultimately with reference to the self, Aham chidrupo, am I consciousness? Deho or am I the body? Am I body or am I consciousness? This doubt that arises is the faculty called manaha. Or is this rope or a snake? That some doubt is there. So doubting faculty also is called manaha. Okay. Then continuing, because as we said, sometimes the mind is looked upon as uh, performing four different functions and therefore four different names are given for these four functions. Therefore it is said in verse 67, Anayoho eva chitta ahankara yoho antar bhavaha anayoho in this two alone chitta ahankara yoho antar bhavaha chitta this is the third function that the mind performs and ahankara, the force disposition that the mind has. So what is known as chitta and ahankara, antarbhavaha are included anayoho in these two. Meaning in what is known as buddhi and manaha or intellect and the mind, these other two chitta and ahankara are also included. What is that chitta and ahankara? The next passage is say that Anusandhanatmika Antahkarana Vrattihe Chittam Chittam Again a technical word. Chittam is Anusandhanatmika Antahkarana Vrattihe That modification of the mind Anusandhanatmika Which recalls Anusandhanam Recalling <coughs> So memory, so chittam is the memory when you are recalling the past experiences. And therefore this chittam or the function of memory is included in buddhi, in the intellect. In this text, this author does not mention chitta and ahankara, so they are said to be included in the other two chittam or the reflecting faculty. <coughs> the remembering faculty is expect is assumed to be included in buddhi. Because their functions are similar. Buddhi means the mind when it ascertains things. And chitta is when the mind remembers things. But remembrance also is of the past experiences. And so the only difference is when I gain the knowledge. So knowing is the nature of the buddhi, by the way. Not only deciding, but knowing also. So when a part is in front of me, when I know that part, that is the function performed by buddhi. And if I remember the part which I had experienced in the past, then also in my mind there is a part thought. So a part thought in my mind may be created either because there is a perception of the part in front of me or because I remember the part of the past. So a given thought may be in my mind because of two reasons. Either because the object is and I perceive that. So there is a part and I perceive it. So there is a part thought. Or a part in the past I remember and then also there is a part thought. Therefore, the remembrance is due to faculty called chittam or memory and this perception is due to faculty called buddhi. So both of them result into similar thoughts and therefore this chittam is included in the buddhi. <coughs> okay, and the fourth one says passage 69. Abhimanatmika antahkaranavruttihi Ahankara. What is that? Ahankara. Aham means I. Ahankara means the notion of I, which is also known as ego. That is Abhimanatmika Antahkana Vruttihi. Abhimana means identification. Here it is translated as self-consciousness. Or you may say Abhimana means identification. Whenever there is an identification, so that frame of mind is called ahankara. I identify with the given thing. That I am so and so. That I am happy. I am unhappy. I am knower. I am the doer. 
I am enjoyer, I am body, I am the mind, I am so and so. So whenever that self is associated with the given, self is associated with the non-self on account of identification, then that frame of mind is called ahankara. I did it. I accomplished it. I am here. You know, so all the time that as the asserting of the I is called ahankara. Thus our mind can be said to perform four functions. One is the function of knowing and function of determining that takes place in buddhi. Then function of feeling and the function of doubting etc. that takes place in the mind. The function of remembering and function of reflecting that takes place, it is called chitta. The function of asserting or identification that is called ahankara. So manaha, buddhi, chittam, ahankara. These are the four faculties, I mean, these are the four functional names of one instrument called antahkaranam on the mind. <coughs> so we have this mind, okay. What are these? This antahkaranam of the inner organ, it is made up of what? The next passage says, Ete punaha. Akashadigata Satvikam Shebhya Milite Bhya Utpadjante Ete Punaha these four meaning this inner organ Utpadjante these are created or born of Militebhya Satvikam Shebhya Now we have these five subtle elements and we were told that the organs of perception are made of individual subtle aspect of individual elements. So subtle sattva aspect of one element gives rise to a given sense organ. The combined sattva aspect. So now combine the sattva aspect of all the five elements and we have what we call the mind. So mind is said to be composed of the sattva aspect of all the five elements. Militebhya. Militebhya means combined. Sattvikamshebhya. The sattva amsha, the sattva aspect of all the five elements makes up what we call the mind. Naturally, because the mind is involved in every organ of, every function of perception. Whereas ears only gain the knowledge of sound and eyes only gain the knowledge of color, the mind is associated with the ears also in the gaining knowledge of sound associated with eyes also in gaining knowledge of the color. The mind is associated with every organ of perception and therefore it makes sense to say that the mind is made up of the combined sattva aspect of all the five elements. <coughs> Why do you say that the mind is made up of the sattva aspect? Why do you say that the sense organs of perception are made up of the sattva aspect of elements and the mind is made up of the combined sattva aspect. What makes you say that? That is explained in the next passage. Etesham prakashatmakatva sattvikamsha karyatvam Etesham, of this organs of perception and the mind, prakashatmakatvat, because they are luminous in nature. Prakash means light or luminosity. Since these organs of perception and the mind are of the nature of light or illumination, therefore, sattvikamsha karyatvam. Therefore, we say that they are made up of the sattva aspect of the elements. So, where sattva is, there is light and knowledge. Sattva. Tatra sattvam. Nirmalatvat Prakashakam Anamayam. The 14th chapter of Bhagavad Gita says that of the three gunas, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, Sattva is Prakashatmakam, of the nature of light or illumination. And therefore, when the mind is Sattvic, it is poised for knowledge. So, whenever, again, Bhagavad Gita says, Prakasha Upajayate, Jnanam Yada, Sarvadvare Shudehesmin, Prakasha Upajayate, Jnanam yadatada vidyat vivruddham sattva mityata. When do we know that our mind is sattvic? Sarvadvareshu, from all the organs of perception, dehesmin, prakasha upajayate jnanam. When there is a light in the nature of, of the nature of knowledge, 
from the various organs of perception, then we know that the mind is sattvic. So when you are alert, when your mind is alert, when your mind is quiet and poised to know, then you, are, you hear better. Hear better means that what you hear, you can understand. What you see, you understand. Otherwise you may see, but not understand it. Our eyes may see all right, but you are not able to understand what this is. You hear sometimes, okay, not able to understand what, what the speaker says. You touch something and not quite sure of what you are touching, you eat something, not quite sure of what you are eating. Very often when we are eating food also, we don't know what we ate. We don't remember what we ate. Or we don't remember how the food was. We always say it was very good, excellent, you know, that's the style, all right. We say it's excellent, wonderful, beautiful, you know. Every day it is beautiful. So the cook would think that he's only wonderful cook, you know. Every day it is his compliments. But anyway, that just becomes a, I guess, a courtesy, all right. But often we do not even, when we are eating also, we are not quite conscious about the taste of food or what we are eating. Because our mind is not behind the tongue and our mind is not disposed, is not relaxed. Sometimes we see people eating while standing, while walking, all kinds of things. I say, why don't you sit down? They eat like this, you know, they swallow the food in three minutes or five minutes, finish it off. Why? In twenty-four hours, allow fifteen minutes for food, you know, they don't have time. Because the mind is not relaxed. When the mind is not relaxed, we cannot, cannot enjoy things. In fact, every moment you can enjoy if the mind is sattvic. Mind is relaxed, mind is sattvic. Then you can enjoy, not only food can you enjoy, everything you can enjoy. You can enjoy the snow, or you can enjoy the absence of snow, you can enjoy the rain, snow, wind, whatever it is. The mind can enjoy when the mind is sattvic. So when the mind is in sattvic disposition, it is poised for knowledge. That's the reason why we want to make our mind sattvic. That's the reason why we are always told that work on your rajas and tamas, work on your ragas and dveshas, work on your likes and dislikes and resolve them. Because they make the mind disturbed. The pool of the mind is, is disturbed, is muddled because of the raga and dvesha or rajas and tamas. So when these impurities of rajas and tamas are largely removed, then the mind becomes transparent. When like the water becomes transparent, the mind also becomes transparent. And then it can reflect your face clearly. So the water can reflect the face clearly or reflect anything. They say that when the pool of the water is clear, transparent, it reflects heavens above. So there are, there's beauty there. Sky is there, stars are there. All of them can be reflected in the water only when the water is clear. When the water is muddled, water is disturbed, you know, it cannot reflect clearly. And our mind also is not able to reflect things because it is not clear. So we say that these organs of perception, they are made of sattva aspect because they gain the knowledge. Prakashatmakatvat, because they are of the nature of illumination. We say that these organs of perception illumine their objects. The ears, the faculty of hearing, illumines the sound. The faculty of seeing illumines the color. The faculty of taste illumines the taste. So they illumine. That means they are of the nature of light. So understand that's the light of knowledge. This is a gross light that illumines the objects here, which dispels darkness with reference to the outside objects. But our organs of perception also like bulbs, or like luminaries rather, I should say, like luminaries which illumine their corresponding objects. <clears throat> the luminaries therefore, they are called devas. Often the organs of perception are called devatas. Devatas means shining ones, gods. And subsequently we told how every organ of perception has a presiding deity. Uh, like the organ of perception, the, the description will come subsequently. And so, every organ of perception is called a devata, is called a shining one or a luminary. The mind also is a luminary because mind also reveals that also illumines its corresponding objects. So since illumination is the nature of the organs of perception and the mind, therefore we say that they are made of the sattva aspect of the elements because when there is sattva, there is illumination. When there is rajas, there is activity. When there is tamas, there is dullness. So when you see things, when you're working on a problem, when you're working on an idea and you see, that's the illumination. Your mind is illumined, it illumines certain truth, and that is when the mind is in the sattvic state. <clears throat>
निर्देशाम प्रकाशात्मकत्वात सात्विकाम से कार्यत्वम ओके मिल कंटिन्यू टुमारो पूर्णमद पूर्णमद पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्ण से पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य शंकराचार्य केशव वादरायण सूत्रभाष्यत वंदे भगवतनःश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योम व्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शाशाशा हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओ